more names go off the free agent board, so who's left for the Ducks? We'll talk about that and much more on today's Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I don't know what that was. I'm your host, Jason J.D. Hernandez, covering hockey for well over a decade, and I have a case of the sillies, folks. A reminder, this podcast is free and available across all platforms, including Stitcher, Spotify, Odyssey, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Smoke Signal. I'm kidding about that. Morse code? Really? No, not Morse code. Maybe Ham Radio. Hey, sure, that'd be cool. If you're listening on Ham Radio, hello there. And keep on trucking. All right, so today we are going to talk about some of the other free agents that have gone off the board. And we'll, we're going to go off topic a little bit today. We're not going to talk about all ducks. We're going to go off topic. And since this is audio only, I'm going to go way off topic for one of these just because I want to talk about it and it's fun. And then we'll finish off with a topic that I sincerely don't want to talk about, but I kind of have to. All right. Let's talk about some more signings not made by the Ducks. They're really just sitting on their hands waiting for something to happen. I don't know what they're waiting for, but they're they're waiting for something. I don't I don't know what. I mean, we just saw some more signings. A big one in Nashville. Nino Niederreiter. He got signed by the Nashville Predators on Thursday. This was a two-year, $8 million contract, so $4 million per season for only two seasons. I thought he might have gotten a longer term. And gosh, that would have been a great addition for the Anaheim Ducks. I would have liked to have seen Nino Niederreiter possibly signed by Anaheim with all that money they have. But Nashville made it work. He's going to like going there. So that's a big signing. Another big signing that just went off the board, Kasperi Kapanen signed a two-year deal worth $6.4 million for the Pittsburgh Penguins. So we're already seeing some guys go off the board. Uh, Vitek Vanacek, he got signed by the Devils for three years, over $10 million. Vanacek, who last played with the Washington Capitals, yeah. You know what? I don't think the Ducks could have used him there. I mean, he's been decent during the regular season for the Capitals. He was not that good during the playoffs. But hey, you know what? The Devils needed some goalie depth, and that's who they wound up with. Okay, sure. That's who That's who you wind up with. Good for them, I guess. Not really. No, not so much, huh? No, not really. So... Two more names go off the board, and the Ducks are still left picking up the scraps, trying to figure out who the heck they're going to sign in free agency. And at this point, that list is getting pretty thin. I mean, are the Ducks going to sign Evan Rodriguez? Hey, you know what? I'd I'd welcome him. I'd welcome Rodriguez with open arms. Are they possibly going to bring back Cody Curran? Hey, Why not bring back Big Shot Cody for another season? Maybe they could bring back Danton Heinen. 
it, it's possible. Anything's possible. Heinen could come back to the Ducks on a short-term deal, million bucks. That's something, right? Could always, I don't know. You could always bring back Sonny Milano. He still hasn't been signed. He's still not a free agent. He's still out there at Anaheim Ducks. Go get Sonny Milano, and and just pay the man already. Give him a one-year deal, two-year deal, no matter what. Bring him back. How about Zach Aston Reese? He's still available. Maybe a cheap deal, but no. If you're the Ducks, you gotta you gotta swing for the fences here. You gotta go after Klingberg. You've gotta go after Kadri if you can. You've gotta go after some of these bigger names. You could probably go after Phil Kessel. Phil Kessel played every game last season. Will he be worth a lot? Yeah. Could the Ducks use another winger? Yes, they could always use more wing depth, even at his age. Phil Kessel could make a difference for the Ducks. I just recently talked with Sarah Avampato, former host of Locked on LA Kings, and she even said, you know what? Do a whole episode about Phil Kessel. Look, I'm not going to do a whole episode on a guy who might not wind up with the Ducks. I'll do a full episode if he does sign in Anaheim. And Phil Kessel's name is still out there. So is P.K. Subban. Maybe bring him on for one or two years. So that's where I'm getting at. The players that are left, except for maybe Kadri or Klingberg, sign them to shorter one, two, or three-year deals. Just get the signings done. Don't let some of these bigger names go to some of these other teams that also have money. Don't let them go to Arizona. I mean, hey, Kessel could go to Arizona. They still have the cap space. They could sign them again. You never know. So that's what the Ducks are looking at right now. Those are the players. That's who's left. It's really not much, guys. It's really not many names left. So I would hope that they make some signings in the next week or two. Because before you know it, time could be running out if they don't use that cap space by mid-August. They still have money to spend. So we'll just keep an eye on that for the next few weeks as to who they could sign. They could... Hey, you know what? (laughs) Bring Thomas Hickey on. I know Thomas Hickey was an Islander and he finished the season in the minors with the Ontario Reign and he did good. Hey, you know what? Bring him on a show me contract. Maybe a one year two way deal. Minimum money. Why not? All right. We're going to take a brief timeout. But first, let's talk about Bet Online, which is the one place that has you covered and the one place that we trust. Bet Online has you covered with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online has all the sports, including Major League Baseball, which is now out of the All Star break. And we could talk about other rumors. I mean, there are odds up for who's going to wind up in what team. In fact, and this is kind of part of the ad here, but Bet Online has odds for where Patrick Kane could go if he's traded. I mean, after 15 years and three Stanley Cup trophies with the Blackhawks, will we see the Blackhawks trade Patrick Kane? They are rebuilding. Hey, if Joe Montana and Wayne Gretzky can get traded, anyone can, right? Right? So here's some of the odds if Patrick Kane gets traded. I mean, the Oilers are a 3-1. to one. The Colorado Avs are 7-2. to two. 
The Rangers are four to one odds. The LA Kings, they're five to one odds. The Lightning, eleven to two. The Sabers are in there. So are the Leafs. And Bet Online also has odds. You ready for this? For Matthew Kachuk, if he gets traded, could he wind up with the New Jersey Devils? The odds of that happening, four to one, according to Bet Online. The St. Louis Blues, they're a plus four fifty nine to two odds. The Predators, five to one odds. The Sabers and Senators. Six to one odds. Of course, these these are all the odds according to Bet Online. So if you want to check out those odds and if you want to place a bet, go to Bet Online using either your mobile device or your laptop and check out Bet Online for all of those possible trade odds. Once again, that is Bet Online, which is the exclusive online sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. And please gamble responsibly. Welcome back to Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You're locked in with Jason J.D. Hernandez, and I'm really going to go off the board on this one because it's a Friday, it's it's a fun day, and it's a way to get into the weekend. I know I host a hockey podcast, and for those of you that follow me on Twitter, at StimpyJD, you may have noticed that there's a severe... Um, how can I put this? There's been very little hockey content except for the Henderson Silver Knights schedule release, which is amazing, by the way. I loved what the Henderson Silver Knights did. I'm still here in South Nevada. But you know what I really want to talk about? Just to get it out in the world. Get it out in the ether. Just like get it out there. MLB All-Star. Yeah, I'm still a fan of baseball. Yes, I still love the Dodgers. I know I just... Got a bunch of you guys turned this off because you're fans of the Anaheim Ducks. And oh, Anaheim, he he covers the Ducks. He should be a fan of the Anaheim Angels. Look, the Angels are great. I mean, I love Michael Nelson Trout. I love watching Shohei Otani. Shohei is one of my favorite players right now. But the Dodgers are my first team. And you know what? There is still plenty of Dodgers Ducks people out there. By the way, shout out to Annie, who's a Dodgers Ducks person. And shout out to my boy Piero at that Gomez. He's Dodgers Ducks. And he's one of the best people out there. And I've known him for a long time. He's always been Dodgers Ducks. So got to give shout out to Piero and his family out there. All right. So I'm just going to go off the board. All-Star was amazing. Was it as good as when San Diego hosted it? That's hard to say because San Diego had the advantage of having everything happen in one area. You had the Fan Fest right across from Petco Park at the Convention Center, which is where San Diego Comic-Con is currently taking place. Then you also had the red carpet, which connected the Omni Hotel across from Petco Park, and it went right directly into Petco Park. So that was another advantage. Then you had everything happen at Petco Park. Then you had the park at the park. You had that whole area with grass. That atmosphere was amazing. I think Dodger Stadium, the Dodgers, they did a fine job with what they had. I mean, yes, the stadium is out in the middle of Elysian Park, and it's up in a hill, and parking's tough. I get that. But it was still a blast. I mean, 
Saturday you had the Futures and Celebrity game. The one thing I didn't like was that the Futures game was now 7 innings, not 9. The Celebrity game is 5 innings, but it was still a blast. I had a great time. Saw some great young prospects in the Futures game. I mean, you had Emerson Hancock, the Mariners prospect. He was lights out three consecutive strikeouts. You had some big blasts in the Futures game. The Celebrity game. (laughs) Okay. Bad Bunny is a great artist, great great Puerto Rican artist. But it made my baseball fan heart a little bit sad when Bad Bunny got more cheers at Dodger Stadium than Andre Ethier, who's a Dodgers legend in his own right. When you get more cheers, you're doing something right, and Bad Bunny is awesome. Don't get me wrong, he's awesome. But it still made me a little bit sad. But what was cool... Bad Bunny does realize that he has to give props to those that played before him. He has to give props to the players of the past. So on his first at-bat, he elected to bring out the first legend, Vlad Guerrero Sr., pinch hit for Bad Bunny in the first inning of that softball game. That was cool. But the big moment, the moment that did get the most cheers out of everyone in the crowd was when Bad Bunny went down to the dugout and he was looking around, looking to see what's going on. And all of a sudden, I see him. Because I actually have really good seats for this. I'm down like in the lower lows level. I see him peeking out and my first words were, oh my God, it's Poppy. Yep. Big Poppy. David Ortiz pinch hit on Bad Bunny's second at bat. The crowd went wild. Everybody was cheering that. Oh, look, everybody loves David Ortiz. Everybody loves Big Poppy. I remember when the entire baseball world rallied around David Ortiz when he almost died. Remember that? David Ortiz almost got murdered a few years ago in Dominican Republic. Some people forget about that. And we were already kind of mourning a little bit thinking that he wasn't going to make it. Like, we didn't know how bad it was. We heard that he was in the hospital and he was not in good condition. For him to come back the way he did, for him to just embrace life, that's the best thing. He's really embracing life right now. And he went up to bat and looked good up there. Also, a brief aside, for those of you that went to the All-Star game and you took an Uber there, you may have noticed that David Ortiz greeted you to the All-Star festivities. Yes, you heard that right. David Ortiz wasn't in the stadium before the home run derby. He was out by the Uber drop-off, picking up people and greeting them as they stepped out of the car and welcomed them to Dodger Stadium for the home run derby. That was cool also. So another little cool thing that people may not know about, but David Ortiz was all around. But the biggest booze came when Hunter Pence hit his first home run, took off his Celebrity Game jersey, and revealed a San Francisco Giants shirt underneath that jersey. Oh, man. Yeah, he let the crowd have it. As far as other events, I went to the Playball Park on Sunday, went to all the events, uh, checked out the MLB Draft, which was a cool setup. A lot of autograph opportunities. I got to give props to my boy, S. Preston, who does the minimalist ballpark art. He's been on this podcast before. 
as Preston, killing it once again with his amazing artwork. He was at Playball Park. Yeah, that whole thing was just a fun time at the convention center. So hopefully some of you guys checked that out. Then Monday, he had the Home Run Derby. Look, I, I'm okay with the Home Run Derby as it is, as far as the timed format is concerned. I don't like the the brackets. Corey Seager got robbed in the Home Run Derby. He had 24, 24 home runs. And he didn't advance because he was stuck on that same bracket with Julio Rodriguez, who had a coming out party at the Home Run Derby. He had two consecutive 30-plus home run rounds, beating out Corey Seager and Pete Alonso, the polar bear. Yeah, Pete Alonso got eliminated in the second round thanks to this young stud-bashing rookie from the Seattle Mariners, who, by the way, are also having a great time of it right now because they've won 14 in a row. The Mariners looking really good. But overall, I had a blast at the home run derby. Would you believe I sat out in those home run seats in the right field pavilion? I came this close to a Juan Soto home run. Landed maybe 10 feet in front of me. Not even 10 feet, according to the TV angles. But that one got pretty close. Then there was the All-Star game. That was cool. It's my second All-Star game. But getting to watch the All-Star game at Dodger Stadium. Getting to watch Clayton Kershaw start his first All-Star game. And there are naysayers out there saying, oh, Kershaw didn't deserve it. There are other great pitchers. Sandy Alcantara, he should have been the starter. How about Tony Gonsolin? He hasn't lost a game. Both terrific pitchers. Gonsolin struggled his last couple starts. Alcantara, he had an amazing first half. And any other year, he probably would have started. But Clayton Kershaw has been on a tear recently. He has had some great recent starts, including his last start before the All-Star break, he went seven perfect innings. Let me repeat that. Seven perfect innings before giving up a hit down in Anaheim against the Angels. I think that last start of one-hit baseball in eight innings kind of cemented that start for Clayton Kershaw at Dodger Stadium for the All-Star game. Gave me goosebumps. And I hope it gave some of you guys goosebumps as well if you were there or if you were watching on TV. It was a blast. Glad I got to go. All right. We're going to take a brief timeout. And it's going to get a little uncomfortable. So just want to give you that warning right now. We're going to talk about some of the bad stuff happening around the league. I, I know I don't like ending on that note. But we do need to talk about it. So we're going to talk about those hockey controversies on the other side. Welcome back. So we need to talk about a few things going on in the hockey world over the past week. And unfortunately, it's kind of maudlin to talk about these stories to finish the week. But considering that there is multiple horrible stories happening in the hockey world... I feel like we do need to talk about them at some point, and these are important to bring out since I have this platform. And this is also to bring awareness to what's going on in the hockey world. And as I've mentioned time and time again on this podcast, I have a platform, and 
it's important to talk about the hockey culture and it does need to change. Hockey culture definitely needs a change, not just on that side, but on other aspects as well. When you talk about, you know, sexual conduct, racism, all that stuff, it needs to change. This week, we had three stories that are not good lights on the league at all, but I feel like I need to talk about them briefly. So I'll touch on them briefly before I go into where you can find out more information on them. So first, let's start with the story that just came out yesterday, and this involves Edmonton Oilers owner Daryl Katz. This one is a pretty triggering story, so just want to give you that caveat right now. Some of these are going to have some warnings here, so just want to give you the heads up. So Edmonton Oilers owner Daryl Katz apparently paid $75,000 to a then-underage girl for sex. Katz would have been 53 at the time, and Daryl Katz is listed as a third-party defendant, not the main focus of the filing, but it's still is alarming and pretty damning because there are text messages to this girl as well. That's not all. Apparently, he'd previously been accused of soliciting a married actress for the same reason. This is not a good look, and this was a former Jane the Virgin actress. So that's just one aspect of horrible hockey culture. I mean, I do want to address, I don't want to talk about it, but I do want to at least address it and direct people to other resources about it. So this story came out thanks to Benjamin Albright at Albright NFL, who brought this story to light. And it that's alarming in itself. The fact that he paid that much money, but the fact that he did it to an underage girl, that's alarming. So that's story number one that I want to talk about briefly. The two other stories that I do want to talk about, unfortunately, involve the Anaheim Ducks. So I want to give you all that warning right now. This does involve the Ducks, unfortunately. And this first one has to deal with Hockey Canada, unfortunately, and the ongoing saga with Hockey Canada. Now, we did have the Kyle Beach stuff earlier this year that really shook the entire hockey world. Another investigation just came out earlier this week that Hockey Canada used registration fees to build a fund. You ready for this? They built a fund to cover sexual assault claims. And the reason this is important is there's now claims about the names that are on that list about sexual misconduct at a World Junior Championships tournament. And this took place a few years ago. And two former, or one former duck, another current duck that was apparently around at that time, former duck Sam Steele and current duck Max Comtois. They both put out statements earlier in the week, and I'm going to read them verbatim and just give my brief thought on this. So first, this was a statement from player agent Jerry Johansson regarding his client Sam Steele. So first, this talks about the 2018 WJC investigations and allegations. So the quote reads verbatim, quote, Sam Steele did not engage in any of the misconduct that has been described in the media. 
And as far as I know, no one has alleged that he did so. Sam has cooperated with every investigation into the matter, and he intends to continue to cooperate. Both the NHL and Hockey Canada are planning to investigate further, and while that is ongoing, Sam can't comment further. So please respect that process. End quote. Once again, that's from Jerry Johansson, president and CEO of the Sports Corporation, which is the agency that covers hockey clients, including Sam Steele. It's a weird statement from, and it's not a statement from Sam Steele. It is a statement from his agent. And there there are a lot of players that didn't respond at first. I mean, I'm not going to go down the list of names, but Sam Steele being among those names that were listed as possibly being there, it, it's a weird look. And it's starting to sound more and more like maybe he was at least in the vicinity or at least he knew something. Now, just because he didn't do like maybe he didn't do anything, but that doesn't make him not guilty. He was still around. So it's it's not a good statement, but that's from Steele's agent. Now, another statement came out from Max Comtois. And he had a full statement regarding the Hockey Canada investigation. Not from an agent, not from a team. This was from Max Comtois directly, and this was directly out of his Twitter. So I'll read this verbatim. Quote, I am aware of the allegations of sexual abuse made against some of my former teammates on the Canadian World's Junior Hockey Team. The allegations are deeply troubling, and I am cooperating with investigators to help as much as I can. I was not involved in any way with the alleged abuse, and as far as I know, no one has ever suggested otherwise. Out of respect for the investigation, I do not intend to offer further public comment, end quote. So he is at least cooperating, and as far as we know, Max Comtois, look, this happened four years ago. We don't know exactly who was there and who wasn't. And he's definitely aware of who the names are. And he knows that they're troubling. And apparently he wasn't involved. And apparently he wasn't even around. So this is the other part of it that wasn't in the statement. But apparently he wasn't even around. That's according to um, other people, like other sources, that he wasn't even in the vicinity of when the alleged abuse took place. So Max Comtois coming out with his own statement, it certainly sounds better coming from him than the Sam Steele statements. So those are the allegations. If you want to read more on this, you can check out the great article written by Grant Robertson. It's it's a very telling article about the funds to cover up these sexual assault claims, including the one that is currently taking place with Hockey Canada and the 2018 Canadian World's Junior Team. One more story that unfortunately does does involve the Ducks, and this one might be even more alarming and worse than the others. And this just came out Thursday afternoon, And this was from Rick Westhead. 
who states that the source tells him that QMJHL, the Quebec Junior League president, Gilles Courteau, and league's insurer may be asked during testimony next Wednesday about Victoriaville players Nicholas Daigle and Massimo Siciliano, who are both charged with sexually assaulting a woman in a hotel in June of last year. Their next court date is August 4th. So Daigle and Siciliano are charged with sexual assault. Daigle is also charged with making and distributing a video of the incident. Here's how the Ducks are involved. Daigle was invited to Anaheim Ducks Development Camp. Yeah, he was. But according to Eric Stevens at Iceman Cometh, once, once the rest of the team found out about the investigations, that invitation was rescinded and he was asked to go home. And I know there's a saying that, you know, innocent until proven guilty, or in some cases, guilty until proven innocent. But these are damning allegations. And this would have occurred June of 2021 in Lac Beauport in Canada. And Daigle, formerly of the Victoriaville Tigers, Daigle even played two games this past season in the queue. He shouldn't have played at all. I mean, the fact that he even played and then was suspended indefinitely again, that it should not have come to that. It shouldn't have happened. And these are horrible allegations. The fact that this is going to court, it's very telling. It is. I mean, good for the Ducks to at least rescind the invitation, but it shouldn't have come to that. (laughs) And also something that was pointed out to me on Twitter is that this was Bob Murray's last camp invite. This was this was still part of the GM Bob Murray era. This is just another black eye in the Bob Murray tenure. Yes, you could talk about the alcohol problems. You could talk about the bad moves. You could talk about the stuff on the ice, but you can't not bring up the stuff off the ice as well. You can't not bring up Bob Murray invited him to camp. You can't not bring up Bob Murray and his alcoholism. You cannot talk about Bob Murray and the workplace abuse. And now that we're in this new era, I'm beginning to understand more and more why Pat Verbeek is trying to slowly chip away and take out some of the remnants of that era. And it's becoming more and more clear. And you can read more about this story. Uh, Rick Rick Westhead, who does a great job with these stories, you can follow him at R Westhead. He has much more on the story. And we'll hear more about this in the coming couple of weeks. Again, their next court date is August 4th. And like I mentioned, it's kind of maudlin to end on that topic. But that's how we're going to end the week. So once again, thank you all for listening. Thanks for your continued support. You can hear this podcast free and available across all platforms, including Stitcher, Spotify, Odyssey, etc. And on YouTube, make sure to subscribe. You can follow me on Twitter at StimpyGD. The show's podcast is at LO underscore Ducks. Once again, thanks for making this your first listen of the day. Go ahead and make Locked On NHL your second listen of the day. Great hosts on there. Once again, 
Thank you for your continued support. It is greatly appreciated. For Locked on Anaheim Ducks, I'm Jason J.D. Hernandez saying have a great weekend. Please continue to be safe out there. Please be kind to one another. And Ducks, fly together.